3: Hi, I'm Tom, and I'm a Gen X Grown Up. And I support Gen X Grown Up on Patreon. And you should too. Go to patreon.com slash Jax Grown Up.
0: No life, no fun. fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up?
2: Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. See
0: your dinner cash is Tries. Basically, life sucks.
2: Welcome back, Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. Listener to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know that Mo is here with me. Hey, everybody. Back in 1986, we all took flight with Lieutenant Pete Maverick Mitchell as he and his Rio goose strove to prove themselves (laughs) as the very best U.S. Navy combat pilots. And now, on the eve of a cinematic sequel 36 years in the making, we remember this (laughs) Tom Cruise (laughs) classic Gen X Air film, Top Gun. Whew, that is a <laughs> mouthful, but this is a mouthful of a film. Man, so we, we said Maverick is coming out. We talked last episode that this new film is on its way. It's been in the can for a couple of years. COVID delayed mm-hmm. it. Uh, we had had back then. Hey, when it's time for Maverick, let's talk about Top Gun. We kept moving, yeah. it, and moving, and moving it, it and moving it and moving, <laughs> it, and moving <laughs> it and moving it. <laughs> well, luckily, as you listen to this, if you're listening on release day, Maverick comes out tomorrow. So you in the future can go see it in just a day. We still have a couple weeks to wait. Before we get into talking about top gun and man there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about and remember (laughs) let's take just a second here to read some fourth listener email you know all three of us are going to listen if anybody else does that's the fourth listener and the fourth listener this time around is bart a bart a actually dropped us a line over on our website where you can read articles and listen to the podcast and you can just leave a comment right there if you want and that's what bart did he said hey guys love the 80s detective tv shows episode All right. Mm -hmm. My favorite show was Magnum PI, (laughs) and Magnum is currently streaming for free on the Roku channel, along with some other 1980s TV detective shows that you discussed. Ah, okay. No. Well,
1: okay. Roku does a good job of that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it's almost like you don't need those little My TVs and CW things anymore. Now they have their own original content. And all that stuff is going to things like Roku. So good on mm-hmm. them, of course. Yeah. Bart goes on to say, one thing I wanted to remind you of was that the '80s did crossovers with TV stars of oh, one yeah. show showing up on other TV shows. Uh, he mentions that Simon and Simon crossed over to Magnum PI. Oh, really? Uh, oh,
3: wow! I didn't know uh, that.
2: Yeah, in October of '82.
3: Wow.
2: Murder She Wrote crossed over to Magnum PI in November of '86. Really? I had to go and see a clip of this. Yeah, like they all show up there. <laughs> she
1: had a knitting convention in Hawaii or
2: something. What happened? I I don't I didn't watch the whole episode, but I went and saw a clip of it, and sure as hell, there she is on Magna PI. Wow. The same yeah. character. Yeah, sure enough. She's Jessica Fletcher, Holy just cow. like she was, huh. and she's there doing some something, something with her right. She's probably at a writing convention and somebody gets murdered. I expect <laughs> that's that's the normal. Of course,
3: because wherever she goes, someone gets murdered, right? I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a lot of crossovers like that,
2: and and linked up stuff, like the like there's a bunch of stuff on Fresh Prints, right? Then like uh, the Jefferson show. Up in the finale of that to buy their house. And uh, I maybe, don't, I don't know. Maybe, really? yeah. <laughs> It's a thing. I promise. I looked it up. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, crossovers. Before there were cinematic universes, there were TV universes. Well, Mork and Mindy came out of Happy Days, right? Yep. And so, yep. did, so did Laverne, what, Laverne and, and Shirley. Shirley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, that kind of stuff. Johnny Lachachi.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he, he wanted to point out, hey, love the episode. And he wanted to talk about the fact that hey, a lot of crossovers happen. Cool. He wraps it up by saying, keep up the great work. Love to listen to your podcast while I drive to work.
0: Oh, thanks. awesome.
2: Bart A. Yeah, thank awesome. you. That's a great way to kill time. Just listen to us make fools of ourselves and entertain <laughs> we, we love it. Hey, Bart, thanks for writing in on the website. If you would like your email or comment or whatever featured here on the show, you can do what Bart did. Drop us a line there or hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We'll read every single one. And most of them, like Bart's, eventually make this show. All right. I am ready to talk about some Top Gun. and We're going to get right into that. <laughs> we get back from this break. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know.
3: I'm gonna send you up against the best. Yes, sir.
0: You two characters are going to Top Gun. I feel the need, for speed. For five weeks, you're gonna fly
2: against the best fighter pilots in the world. You guys really are cowboys
0: at this school, I saw 20 new hot shots every eight
2: weeks. I don't like you because you're unsafe. That's right. I am
0: dangerous. A wild card. I was by the state of his pants. Yeah, I guess when I see something I go right after. It takes a lot more than just fancy flying.
2: You know what we're talking about. It's all about the 86 film Top Gun in this backtrack. I just rewatched it and found it (laughs) still a great film, avoiding spoilers from Maverick, which is kind of what prompted us to do this episode. But the little bit I've heard said it's actually really, really good. So I don't want to jinx it. Uh, (laughs) But we'll get to Maverick later. Right now, it's all about the 86 film Top Gun. And as we typically do when we talk about a film like this or the history of anything, we like to start at the beginning, the origin and how the film got made or how it came into being.
1: And Georgia, you did a bunch of research to try to get us prepared for this. You want to get us started? Yeah, sure. I mean, Top Gun is kind of an unusual show for the era, or at least so I thought until I started doing all the research that I wanted to do, Mm, because there's some interesting facts about this movie. So first of all, the primary inspiration for the movie actually came from an article by a guy named Yud Yane I think I don't know how to pronounce it but <laughs> <enough>. anyway okay. <laughs> it was from uh, the 1983 May issue of California Magazine which Jerry Bruckheimer apparently read okay. and mm-hmm. it talked a lot about the aerial photography by one of the people who actually ended up working on the movie Charles Heater Heatley mm-hmm. and him being at the Top Gun Academy so that's what gave Bruckheimer the idea that he wanted to make this oh, movie oh
2: okay oh I didn't know that <laughs> He read in a magazine that talked about these Top Gun pilots and was like, hey, I think there's something here. I can make a movie about this. I
1: just imagine that he was probably on a flight from one place to another reading the in-flight magazine maybe or something like that. <laughs> it yep. does sound like it, doesn't it? <laughs> there's a couple of other things that are neat. So first of all, everybody probably knows the story who has watched the film, but the Navy gave at that time, unprecedented access to its yeah. vehicles, its naval fleet, the aircraft pilots themselves, in order to make this movie. So, they got the director and some cameras out on John, the USS Enterprise, right? <laughs> know. Naval carrier,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yep.
1: <laughs> and they filmed a whole bunch of that stuff that we're going to talk about a little bit later on, especially some of the intro sequences of the movie and some of the dogfighting sequences that happen later on. Mm-hmm. Now, the aircraft that they used were the F-14 fighter squadron VF-51, the Screaming Eagles, which Tom Skerritt talks about in that scene where he and Pete Mitchell are at his home and they're talking right. about what happened with oh, right, the Right, right, right. Yeah, okay. I yeah. remember that. Scene. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the aircraft came from. And of course, the USS Enterprise was the naval carrier. Here's the interesting monetary fact that to this day still blows my mind. Paramount, the people who produced the film, paid as much Mm. as seven thousand eight hundred dollars per hour for fuel and other operating costs whenever the aircraft were flown outside of their normal duties. Is that like nineteen eighty five dollars, seventy eight hundred bucks? That's nineteen eighty five dollars today. That's around nineteen thousand dollars per hour. Man, with that, were they getting a was that a discount though? I wonder. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) so there's some stuff coming up that definitely they got some discounts, but that is when the planes were flown outside of their normal operations Mm -hmm. right and there's the famous story that everybody talks about, about how he wanted the ship to turn a certain direction so they could film the aircraft with the sunset behind them. Oh, geez. Wait, I didn't know this story. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They did it? <laughs> so did they do it? They did do it and oh, they got God. charged $7,800 per hour. Oh my <laughs> God. It's going to take a minimum of four hours to turn it, Jerry. Sorry. It, it takes <laughs> yeah.
3: forever to turn one of those things. Because I need to buy
1: a Ferrari. <laughs> that wasn't yeah. even Jerry Bruckheimer. That's oh. Tony Scott, the director. That that's how much oh, power okay. that guy had on wow. that movie. Wow. He said, Man. I need to film these aircraft landing on the aircraft carrier at sunset. Oh, $7,800, uh. sir. Okay. Let me write my check. Oh, yes, sir. Somebody turn the ship. <laughs> yeah. Hard to <laughs> <of> starboard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you're, you're already kind of getting into one of the things that makes this film so real and tangible. And, and it feels so visceral because it wasn't a bunch of CGI. It wasn't a bunch of editing tricks they had unprecedented access to yeah. real like equipment and gear. And you said ships and planes. And so oh, yeah. what you see is not like, oh, that's fake. It, it's not fake. And P.S. It's really real. It's super right. real. It's like real planes, real pilots, real fuel being burned. That's why it stands up so well.
1: A part of it anyway, I think. For me, it does. I mean, yeah. you've seen other... War films out of mm-hmm. Hollywood. Before stock Top footage, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You know, they had some nose cam footage that they got from some plane in World War II or something yeah. that they edited into the film. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like it's a part of the movie.
3: I know. I've seen the same plane crash like five times in different right. movies.
1: <laughs> <Right>. It's like <laughs> that, <laughs> in 10 different movies, right? <laughs> that one scream that happens in every Hollywood movie when somebody yeah, dies little, or something. Yeah. Ah! yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Top Gun had that going for it, but it also had something else going for it. And this This was something that I ended up going down a long, 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 long rabbit hole (laughs) that I didn't expect to. So this is a government co-opted film, essentially. Yeah, The Mm -hmm. government subsidized part of the film and they got certain rights because of that subsidizing. Like they got first script approval and stuff because they wanted to make sure it didn't show the Navy in a bad light and Mm -hmm. different things like that, which nowadays we can imagine. But back then, nobody Mm -hmm. really thought about that. At least I didn't. I was younger i didn't think oh they had to get the government to say it was okay for tom cruise to flip the mig pilot off or something like that right it turns out though that is not uncommon at all apparently the fbi alone along Mm -hmm. with the department of defense have financed or partially financed over 800 films Holy really? shit. That's yes. one freaking
3: rabbit hole you went down.
1: <laughs> I went down. The CIA wouldn't even allow themselves to be in a film until an Alfred Hitchcock scene showed the cia plaque in the background of a scene
3: really wow and
1: after that they got script approval on anything that was cia related i
2: did not know that it's like government propaganda baked into the the cost of making the film that's
1: exactly (laughs) what i'm saying and that's what this film embodies that to its core because this whole film as we'll find out a little bit later, it was essentially a propaganda piece for the Navy. Yeah. And there are mm-hmm. some amazing statistics that show just how successful it yeah, was. it really was. I, I can heard. imagine. At oh, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to become a pilot after
2: watching that film? You're like, there's so much bravado, so much excitement and heroism. and yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. And the thing about it being propaganda for the government, this is in 86. And mm-hmm. like, nothing was perfect back then. But compared to modern times, which I'm kind of thinking about how the sequel is going to handle this, government and the military in general was quite a bit less blemished than it is today. You know, it it was a little more upright and there was less, maybe less we heard about, who knows. Yeah, But feeling good about the government and the military was popular back then. You know, it was fun. Think about
1: who the president was at this time. This is 1986. So is that Reagan era? Reagan. Reagan. Yeah, Yeah. Reaganomics. Reagan was all about military funding Mm -hmm. and all about military positivity. That was the whole thing. There's even a story, I went down in that rabbit hole, that (laughs) apparently Marlon Brandt Brando wanted to do a film about the the Noriega and us sending arms to oh, really? the Contras, Over all the North, Contras, yeah, and the government propped up a fake company, quote unquote, chaired by Oliver North, to buy the rights away from Brando, so Brando couldn't, <laughs> so do it, it wouldn't it. get made, and wow. it never got made, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, you got the money, throw it around. Yeah, yes. What, what, what else is it good for? They have our money. That's the part that pisses me off. It's all taxpayer <laughs> dollars. That's true. Hey, yeah. Oh, well, wait a minute. I didn't think about <laughs> hey, that. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> That sucks. Uh one last little fact that I want to talk about before well, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you the budget and box office numbers first. So the budget for this film was okay. fifteen million. Oh, that's box not much. office three hundred and fifty seven million. Wow.
3: Woo. It made some money
2: Yeah, they made their money back. they got their money's worth for turning the boat around, didn't they? Yeah, they Holy did.
1: crap. <laughs> I Me, mean, fifteen million does not sound like a lot. Even for that time it doesn't sound well, like a remember, lot. Remember, government subsidied. Yeah, that's true. So that's Paramount's budget. The government funded it outside of that. Oh. Ooh. It's funny. It's very telling. You look at Rotten Tomatoes,
2: this film has a 57% rating That's from it? critics. Audience, 83%. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge split because they say, oh, it's propaganda, maybe, or they saw it as it's kind of melodramatic and whatever, but it was damn good and audiences
1: ate it up. I did. So, John, I want to talk a little bit about a specific person who was one of the pilots—not one of the actors, but one of the actual pilots on the film. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this guy was a future NASA astronaut. His name is Scott Altman. He piloted okay. the F-14 aircraft for almost all of the film's stunt sequences—not the okay. ones where they turned the ship and got him in the sun, you <laughs> the know, actual, all that actual sunset. in-air stuff. But the actual in-air, like got it. close-up stuff. John, right. one of your scenes that you were like, is that a composite or do they really film? Apparently they really filmed it. He was the guy who flipped the bird Wait, to the Russian MiG. The inverted flight thing really happened? The inverted really flight happened? part really happened and he That's was the way pilot too dangerous. It. Oh my God. <laughs> I was
2: sure that was composited. I Why would you do something that risky for a movie? They were like two meters apart. It was bananas. It was crazy. More like a meter and a half, said Goose. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the other part was, you know, the whole storyline throughput thing where he talked about buzzing the tower and he gets in trouble all the time? Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, was, yeah scott altman he was the guy who buzzed the tower in all those scenes that was altman's thing yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) and every time the guy had just gotten a cup of coffee every time he spilled it himself (laughs) i want some butts
1: (laughs) (laughs) i just love that that a nasa astronaut is the guy who's buzzing the tower like did he ever buzz the Mir space station when he went up with the NASA space shuttle <laughs> yeah. or something? Well, it's less dramatic. Boop. boop right? Boop is not that exciting. Right? Yeah. Actually, I think if you're in the
3: space station, it'd be very exciting. Yeah. yeah well, it it just be, being there in general. Okay. No, just, just watching his space shuttle come closer. Like, is he turning? Maybe. And he's going to stop.
1: Who knows? Maybe for this upcoming film, they got the government to do a special shot with one of the Blue Origin spacecraft. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out.
2: Way to buzz the space station in the sequel? I don't know.
1: <laughs> that might be a bit
2: of a re- H. Top Gun, Moonraker, or something. We're going go space. ISS. There you go. Yeah, ISS. There you go. <laughs> You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later.
0: In case some of you wonder who the best is, they're up here on this plaque on the wall. The best driver in his reel from each class has his name on it. And they have the option to come back here to be Top Gun instructors. You think your name's gonna be on that plaque? Yes, sir. That's pretty arrogant, considering the company you're in. Yes, sir. I like that in the pilot.
3: One of the things that made Top Gun great was the cast and the crew. I mean, whoever did the casting for this movie, just they just spot on. I think picked every single person. I think in there's this. a lot of
2: '80s talent in this. Just that we oh, saw it's, later it's before. This like but, a who's who.
3: Yeah, they all came together. I- <laughs> Yep. <laughs> you mentioned,
2: George, maybe we should start with the behind the, the scenes guys. So you talked about the director who made him turn the boat, Tony, Tony Scott, Scott, right?
1: Yeah. And unfortunately, now this is Ridley Scott's brother of Blade Those Runner, really fame, no. which we I were talking about that. last week. Tony Scott, unfortunately, committed suicide. In two thousand twelve. So that's kind of been a big sad point. This was Mm -hmm. one of his biggest films. Oh yeah. Uh, He and his brother obviously very talented directors. They've done a lot of great work in cinema aliens and so on and so forth. But yeah, Tony Scott, he was the perfect director for this film. I mean, I don't know Mm -hmm. who else ego wise could compete with Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer, but he definitely (laughs) could. And I think this was pretty early in Bruckheimer's career too, like before
2: he was known for like the big bombastic blockbuster kind of thing, right? Was yeah, this is new before for him?
1: films like The Rock and his Transformer movies and <laughs> yeah, all that kind of stuff. Movies. I mean, yeah, Bruckheimer, he, he's become known for a specific film look, I would say. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Top Gun is absolutely one of the first to hit that mark.
2: And there's a parade of people that you could call genuine movie stars in this film, but one of them that you just cannot deny. What you think about him personally or what kind of craziness he puts out. But the the title star who plays Maverick, Tom Cruise, what charisma he brought to this role.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't think you have us talking about this film if he's not in that role. And I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise. If he's not the guy. I think he definitely plays that same kind of character in this film Mm. that we see him play in several the films time. right around yeah. there. There's this He's film. cocky, self-confident. Yeah. Yep. There's a color of money that he plays a very yeah. similar character to the cocky, arrogant, you know, who has to push through all of that to get to the good part of him later.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it works here. <laughs> you know, it totally works here. Well, it certainly does. Yeah.
2: I mean, you, you walk through that. The fact is he's cocky and self-assured and that plays well here because it's justified. He is a arguably the best pilot to come through the top gun Academy in, and God mm-hmm. knows how long. And he knows it. He's sure coming in. He says, I'm going to win the top gun. And like the instructor goes, I like that you say that. That's, that's good. Everybody should <laughs> think that. already ready going in yeah now <laughs> yeah. the huge career that he had you take the female lead that played opposite him who has done next to nothing since this film kelly mcgillis yeah,
1: yeah she had witness yeah
3: witness i remember her That end. was oh was she that? that okay it? yeah yep. and this one and Apparently, she did a lot of TV, I think, you know, TV movies, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. But but still, but mm. nothing nothing to this level.
1: And this was during a time when if you went from film to TV, that was like a death knell. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh, you're not in movies anymore. You're just right. an actor, right? You're not good yeah. enough to be on the big screen. You only got talent for the small screen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, her character is based on a real person. It's the only one in the film that is. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah, it's based on a woman named Christine Fox. Who is just as tall as McGillis? Apparently, they're just an inch off of each other. They're blonde, leggy, the whole nine yards. And her call sign, the real person's call sign, is Legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, was she in the Navy? Was she a pilot? No, she was an instructor. Exactly, but like she had a, she had a call sign yeah, just like she her. She had a slightly different background. Instead of being uh, whatever it was that Kelly McGillis' character was, uh, the real character, Christine Fox, was a mathematics wizard. Um, so that's why she was there. Mm. Mm -hmm. They talk about some of the stuff in some of the articles that I wrote that originally the character was just supposed to be a dumb blonde love interest. Wasn't Mm -hmm. going to be the thing it was until when they were scouting at the Top Gun Academy, they met Christine Fox and they said, okay, what if it's this instructor? This is the character. That folds
2: layers upon layers. And how many times did they say in this, this is going to be complicated? Yeah. Yeah. She is the instructor. Yeah, she has a role to play. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wanted to, I was about to say maybe my favorite actor Cast in a role here But then I remember There are three or four more But I'll still say it Maybe my favorite (laughs) actor Cast in a role So far That we've talked about Is actually Val Kilmer's portrayal Of Mm -hmm. Iceman He is so intimidating and he's just like disarmingly charming, yet a little too handsome and just, he's so intimidating. And even up against Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, you can tell is visibly like rattled by him all the time. Mm-hmm. It's so well done. I love him in this role.
1: I, I'd say he kind of stole most of the scenes he's in. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just the way he delivers some of the little one-liners like that scene where, you know, he's talking about, Oh, the trophy for second second place is in the women's bathroom. Yeah. At that First thing, <laughs> just little lines like that, that he delivers that some of the other actors play off of as well. I think he just really kind of grabs the attention in most of the scenes that he's a part of. Now he's not in every scene because we have to no. have the love interest scenes but when uh, he's there, the instructor oh, scenes. And, yeah. But he's really, really solid.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, I feel—I mean, I, I heard rumors that he's not going to be a Maverick. But Val Kummer had throat cancer, and mm-hmm. he yes. can't speak. Actually, he can't speak anymore. They removed his vocal cords. I heard so. But still, though, I mean, this time, I mean, this was his high point. I mean, the 80s, he was making every movie pretty much out there <laughs> had Val Kimmer in it. This
1: was straight after Real Genius.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which
1: was yep. arguably his breakout role. Yeah,
2: which mm-hmm. was a comedy. And then he was cast yeah. here. And you talked about how the military had like approval on the script. You can see in the rivalry of these characters, like they're at each other's throats, but with with a subtext of respect the whole way right. through. It's like, I'm out to beat you but we are brothers at the core kind of thing. And you could feel that in the way they act, the way the
1: dialogue runs. Can't you? I can. So interestingly enough, A lot of the people who i read uh, interviews and had talking stuff, the military doesn't like Tom Cruise's character in this movie. Really? Because- What about it? It's completely against everything they preach for their pilots. Their pilots are all about discipline and respect and all like that. Because when you act like a maverick, you get yourself and other people killed. When you act a fool,
3: right. Makes sense.
1: So apparently Val Kilmer's character of Iceman was the real military pilot. The straight and narrow kind of dude yeah that makes you know, sense one of the people in
3: the movie which almost seems like a miscast but he does it so well it was anthony edwards <laughs> goose yeah i love him in <laughs> I mean, that no, he was great but you look at i mean look at these other guys they're all like they're men's men right they're all like you know he's a little softer like character the whole volleyball scene he's the only one with a shirt on
2: <laughs> he's warmer more friendly he has a family and kids yeah. and he's he's a different and kind of guy too. but up against Tom Cruise oh, and the they have that brothership amazing. as being partners. Oh, yeah. I, and, uh, and we'll talk about the part later that's is hard to watch because Goose is so good.
3: But <laughs> what? no, but just but the relation between them was this funny like when even like Tom Cruise is in the thing and he's like, you know, when I was he's like, oh, we oh, we. Yes, I'm sorry. Right. We. <laughs> when we yeah. Thanks, Thanks man. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for
1: including me. <laughs> well, because the Rios are often like forgotten in the film, right? They're the second person in the chair. They mm-hmm. don't really have What we as an audience feel are the main role in the plane but that's why he's such a great comedic foil to Tom Cruise's I'm intense and my father is blah, blah, blah. And all this bad backstory blackness. He's the comedic foil that allows us to still enjoy the movie. I I think he makes it
3: almost like a human. Like he
1: brings like the human level to it. He humanizes the whole characters, including Tom Cruise. And
3: you know what else he does? He
2: humanizes the Tom Cruise character too, because Maverick is just absolutely off the rails and crazy and bananas, but Goose can rein him in. Remember after the flyby, he came and talked to him. He's like, dude, you can't screw this up for me. I can't flunk out yeah. and he's like i swear to you i won't right so he's somebody who actually has control over this wild card because he's such a warm character and they play together really yeah he well. has the loyalty yeah yeah absolutely and so th- this is the problem I had where I didn't want to say that Val Kilmer was the best cast because then I knew coming up, we're going to talk about Tom Skerritt mm. as the commander. I would follow this guy into hell. I mean, what a great characterization of a leader, especially a leader of these top tier men. I just bought it. He was so good in this.
1: Well, and you're talking about, you know, when this is filmed in the mid 80s, right? We still have a piece of that Vietnam era stuff that we can talk about in movies, right? Oh, sure. And they're mm-hmm. the old guard now, and that's what his character is. He's a former Vietnam yep. fighter pilot, flew with Pete Mitchell's father in Vietnam, awesome. so he has that connection to the kid in the storyline. He is so great at the general or the whatever carrot level military you want to call him. He's so great at that that there's another movie that he's in called Draft Day with Kevin Costner. You guys, I Mm. know John's never seen it because it's a sports movie. Nope. But (laughs) 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 He's not even in the film. His character dies before scene one ever happens. He's just a picture on the wall, but the way he played this character in this movie, when I watch Draft Day, I'm like, holy shit, I know exactly how he was as a football coach. I know exactly Mm. what he you yep. would have done with that role.
3: I think he pulls off that, like that quiet confidence mm. in this, you know, like mm-hmm. he never raises his voice. Other people yeah. are yelling, screaming Self-assured, He's just like, he's, he's like, confident of his authority. Right. You damn well better be too. Right. Yeah. It's like when the guy's yelling about to fly by. He's like, Oh, I think that's enough said about that. Yeah. You
1: know? <laughs> the only time he, he partially raises his voice is that next scene where he says, And broke a major rule of engagement. That's yeah. the only mm. time but where he it. does in the whole film. Right. And it's not yep. even like he's yelling. It's just no. Emphasize. he's emphasizing. Nope. He's just <laughs> emphasizing his point. There Oof. you go. Well, I one of my favorite actors is in this film and he's the subordinate to Tom Skerritt in this movie Michael Ironside. I love 1980s Michael Ironside <laughs> almost more than any other actor I've ever mm. seen. I that guy is just pure, black-hearted coldness
0: yeah. in anything he does. <laughs> he's
1: just brutal. He could be the floral delivery guy, and you'd yeah. be like, he's gonna murder somebody in this next scene.
3: Yeah, He does that one role, but he does it so well. Oh my god, yes. He was in Starship Troopers, too. He has mm-hmm. kind of, he's similar kind of role, you know? but he just mm-hmm. does it so well, and it fitted perfectly. Here. Total
1: Recall, Starship Troopers, Total Scanners, recall. I yeah, mean, the one. list goes on and on for that guy. He's just brilliant. And he was the perfect guy to play a character who whose call sign is jester i'm like that guy's yeah, not no. laughing at he's anything he's never cracked a joke in his life. <laughs> never, in his it's like an life.
2: ironic call sign right <laughs> exactly it's like, yeah
1: he's such a dry prick we're gonna call him jester <laughs> but i love the scene where he goes up to tom cruise and he's like that was some of the best flying i've ever seen right up until the point you got killed right I just, I love the way he delivers those lines. I can't do it justice, but he's awesome. And another one of the
3: minor characters, I guess, is uh, Rick Rosevitch. Mm. I mean, you guys may know him, but he was in Roxanne. He was the fire, handsome fireman guy. Yep. Who, who was in Top Gun? Which one was he? He was Iceman's back chair.
1: Yeah. He's Iceman's oh, Rio. Oh,
2: he's the Rio for Iceman. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah. He he was, like you said, he's kind
2: of second fiddle. Every scene you're focused on Val Kilmer, not that guy kind of, right? Yeah. Uh, the
1: difference of his Rio versus Anthony Edwards' Rio, like you talked about, John, Anthony Edwards reigns Maverick in, mm-hmm. but Rick Rozovich's Slider, he kind of boosts the ego of Val Kilmer. He eggs Kilmer. him on, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he he's, like his, he's like his cheerleader <laughs> yeah. in the film.
2: <laughs> he's a hype man. Yeah. Get him, Iceman. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, get in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, you know, I really appreciate it. I didn't even realize it was Tim Robbins until the end of the film after he became Maverick's Rio, right? Yeah. But yeah, Tim Robbins played, uh, what, Merlin was his he call sign this one? He was Sam Wells. Rio. That was Tim Robbins? Yeah. Uh,
1: remember at the beginning of the film when the one guy who's the top fighter pilot on the Enterprise, and oh, he that falls he apart, was that Rio. He's yeah, that guy's guy Rio, and then he becomes Maverick's Rio out. when Maverick rejoins yeah. the ship.
2: Yeah, right. What was like, was that Tim Robbins? I know. I didn't realize it at first. I did until later know that
1: yep holy cow uh, it wasn't
2: until i saw him stepping in to be and by the way teachable moment i didn't know what rio stood for until we prepared for this podcast yep. and i saw in the notes
1: <laughs> radar, radar intercept, intercept officer. officer
2: yep who knew <laughs> not me <laughs> well, some, i'm sure lots of people knew but i, I, I just did. didn't <laughs> but you okay I didn't george I did. I did not know that i didn't know <laughs> <laughs> I, f- I figured it's an acronym for something because it's the military and every damn thing in the military is an acronym i That's just didn't very know true. for what
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yep uh so who else we had james tolkien uh he was stinger you know him john please tell me you know him oh i recognized him what do i know him from back to the future principal
0: Uh principal that's right
2: yeah. yes of course the bald-headed guy yes, yes. Yeah. yep <laughs> yeah of course you're a slacker
1: mcfly
3: If
1: yeah. <laughs> he played that exact same role the same guy just movie. like your father you're <laughs> yep. screwing up
3: right <laughs> he's that one role but he does it so well that <laughs> you gotta put yep.
2: it in well you, you gotta figure when they wanted to cast that like we need a james tolkien type character like Here's an idea. Just get the man. (laughs) And that's exactly what they got. They got that same character out of him.
1: Yeah, because this was the year after Back to the Future. Oh, was it? Yeah, 85, that's right. 85,
2: 86. That's right. Yeah. I'll tell you, watching the film again, as I did preparing for this to refresh my memory, it wasn't until I saw her walk out of a door that I remembered Meg Ryan was even in this film. Oh, yeah. Goose's wife. She's Goose's wife. Right. And she brings so much heart to that role that you need because of the tragedy that's coming, right? You need someone you care about to be in the family to make it meaningful when we lose Goose a little bit later. Spoiler yeah. alert, 36 years later, right. we we'll lose Goose a little bit later. Yeah, but if you haven't known by now, I mean, come on. Yeah. She was so sweet and she was so cute and pretty and... She was kind of egging on the relationship between yeah, Maverick yeah. and the Kelly McGillis character, saying, You know, he's off the market. He's totally in love with you, honey. But mm, yeah. like, no. <laughs> She's playing matchmaker to make sure they both know how each other feels. She becomes such a like a, a central heart of this story that when you lose goose, in my head, I'm thinking, Oh shit, I lost goose. And immediately I'm like, Oh shit, what's that gonna do to Meg Ryan? Like you're thinking of how it's gonna impact she has her.
1: less than 20 lines in this movie and Is yet that right? she commands Yeah. From the moment she enters to the moment she mm. leaves, she commands mm. every single scene she's in, and that's because she's Meg fucking uh. Ryan. This is the '80s, <laughs> Meg Ryan. I mean, she's, yeah. yep, yep, you know, she is who she is. Believe it or not, Adrian Pazdar was in this goddamn movie Adrian
2: Pazdar. Uh, who's that from
1: um, what was the TV show that was so big that all the people got their superpowers when the Nova hit you know with the Chinese guy who could stop time oh heroes heroes Heroes. Adrian Pazdar. oh him yes yes he's the guy who could fly the guy who could fly in that
2: (laughs) the politician oh
1: yeah, some yeah. T-
2: some twenty years before that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he's, younger he, guy. he's
1: done quite a few things since then, but I just he's a, he's one of the background pilots in some of the scenes. He's I in see. the parts really? where they're doing the. Huh. Yeah, he's he's just barely in there, but he's listed. So I thought, hey, you know, give him a shout out. He's done some fun <laughs> stuff. Since.
2: Man, when you look at all this talent that's in the film, on one hand, you're like, well, obviously it's going to be a blockbuster, but we know from history, just because you have big names, doesn't make it a great film. Mm. And the fact that you had many of these people, you said, you know, Meg Ryan and, uh, you know, James Tolkien, these people, it's not like they brought in guys who weren't yet superstars. These are people already demanding big box office, maybe not the headliner, but they are solid character actors that again and again are in big stuff. So that budget, how they got away for only the, you know, what did you say? 15 million or something to get this done. They must have paid peanuts because they had so many big, big names in this and huge talent that uh, shit is a payoff. Man, what a good film. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> Hello and welcome to
2: Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens
0: to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more.
2: Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at genxgrownup.com.
0: You never close your eyes anymore when
3: I kiss your lips. There's no tenderness like before in your fingertips. You're trying hard not to show it, baby.
0: But
2: I want to spend some time now talking about some kind of the plot points and the story and our impressions of the film as we like to do we do a backtrack about a film like this and even though it's nearly 40 years old I thought in case you lived under a rock I'll tell you just briefly what the synopsis <laughs> really? is. Really? <laughs> <laughs> We didn't let Mo read his Star
3: Wars. I know, exactly, That's exactly what I was thinking.
2: <laughs> hey, but this one's very brief, so not like your dissertation, Mo. So. No, but mine was thorough, and it was complete.
3: <laughs> it was thorough. <laughs> thorough and complete, and not yes, redundant. Right. What? Okay. And unredundant, totally unredundant. <laughs>
1: unredundant? Is that a word? <laughs> I don't know what it that is. now. Is. <laughs> yeah.
2: In Top Gun, students at the United States Navy's Elite Fighter Weapon School compete to be the best in class. And one daring young pilot learns a few things from a civilian instructor that are not taught in the classroom. Yeah. Anyway. that's, that's a pretty
1: good reason. <laughs> anyway. Not
2: redundant, not superfluous. No. Pulled straight from Wikipedia. It is it is not. It's from IMDB. You hush. Okay. <laughs> I forgot where I got it from. First thing I wanted to mention just off the top was you remember we watched the Blues Brothers, and George gave me so much shit for how long we had this establishing shot of Chicago and nothing was happening. And mm-hmm. so I realized the opening of Top Gun over four minutes of just <laughs> <laughs> carrier footage and guys pointing and jets taking off and landing
1: and yawn <laughs> you know i'm, I'm not going to argue with you it's an incredibly long sequence that yeah. i'm sure yeah. paramount or whoever it was i forgot the studio already said look we paid seven thousand eight hundred dollars exactly. per hour for this footage you damn well are going to use it. <laughs> you're yeah. using every frame <laughs> of this footage this was jets yeah well i mean
2: it's it, well when danger zone kicks in it's important jets but before that <laughs> right. planes flying around yep well the opening scene you start right off the bat and you have there's a kind of a dogfight going on and we're, we talked about the inverted flying and stuff mm-hmm. what sets everything up is the number one guy on that carrier washes out yeah cougar yeah maverick kind of saves him and he was the number one
1: that was going to go to top
2: gun school but he under the wire edge, somebody right? washing out yeah maverick gets it
1: yeah and You have the the flipping the bird sequence in that and you have Cougar about to lose his shit and almost crashes into the deck, which I thought was... At the time, I was like, oh, that's that's kind of scary. But now I'm thinking back on it. John, you talked about why in the hell did they do that inverted scene? That's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Watch the landing sequence. The landing sequence where Cougar is losing his shit and oh, almost crashing into like, that. And, and, and he's all way. wobbly? That's some oh, dangerous yeah. ass flying that yeah. they're doing in those yeah. scenes.
2: Yeah. I wonder how many times they aborted that because it was just too wobbly. Because it looks scary <laughs> as hell.
1: I mean, you know that the pilot was completely in control.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. But
1: they made it look like he really was mm-hmm. losing his shit mm-hmm. with the cuts yep. from him sweating close up on camera to yeah. the, the plane wobbling, like you said, in midair. Oh, my goodness. And screaming, pull up, pull up, pull, pull up. up you know? Pull <laughs> up, Right. That was the first time I ever heard the phrase, call the ball. Oh, Call the ball.
2: Yeah, yep. they used that. It was in that well, movie. They, anyway. they got all that terminology that people already use, right? In yeah. the military. Mm-hmm. And it brought you into it like, well, you're just observing. Figure it out on your own. Figure it out in context. And you're like, oh, I get it. Yeah. They did a pretty good job of that.
1: I, I thought it was a nice way to set up what was going to be the main part of the movie you know the main part of the movie top gun it has to take place at the elite fighter school mm-hmm. right it can't take place out on the aircraft carrier so most of the movie has to be in miramar florida or miramar california sorry. california yeah. it has to be out there it's a nice way to show us that the stakes are real it's a nice way to show us that these pilots have nerves of steel but also have problems that can break them and mm-hmm. it humanizes a lot of what you're about to see because if you just did the stuff at miramar this is not as good a film you have to have right. the bookends in uss enterprise you need to, yeah, you need there to you have go. those
3: i think yeah well it also kind of established maverick's character a little bit the fact that he went back for cougar mm-hmm. you know he was low on fuel and all that kind of stuff that even though they told him the land, he wasn't going to listen. He's going to help the other guy out, you know, so it kind of helped establish his character. Which by remember. the way,
1: that would not get you promoted to Miramar. That would get you put in the brig. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> well, there's no way his
2: character goes to Miramar. Maverick, you're dangerous. We heard that more than once in the film. And yeah. they're right. Yeah. He, he is a wild card. If he were a cop, they would demand his gun and badge on the desk right
3: damn now. Yeah. But then he'd get it back. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We'd well, get it back because the big case, right? You need yeah. it
3: back. We need it back. <laughs> kind of like Dirty Harry. Right? They kept taking away his and giving it back. <laughs>
2: There are a lot of little beats in this film that jump out at me that help put the, the meat on the bone. They, they flesh it out a lot. Just a little dialogue. And there's one that I pointed out. We talked about the relationship between Maverick and Goose and how they they work together and they, kind of, they complement each other so well. And there's one that I love from Goose that when I heard it, I'm like, oh, I remember loving this before. They're in the plane and shit's going bad. And Goose says, come on, man do some of that pilot shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the shorthand for like, it's time for you to really step it up, do the thing that I know you can do. Mm-hmm. And he can motivate his pilot. He knows that. And it shows their kind of their relationship, how tight it is. He's not going, you should pull up or do this, whatever He's like, dude, do some pilot shit. Yeah. And I, I love that. It's That's indicative of their relationship, which I liked. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think for me, I talked about this a little bit earlier when we were talking about the different characters and stuff. Uh, Tom Cruise, it felt like it was in the same role that he had been in for 10 years. I talked about Mm. Top Gun, Color Money, Rain Man. He is the arrogant guy who is barely hanging on by his fingernails throughout 90% of the film and then he finds a way to turn the corner with the character and everybody's saved or everybody's happy depending upon what goes on. I, I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I think he right. did yeah. that really, really well from that intense stare that he has to the yelling and those slightly... Lo- I mean, there's even scenes like where he's a lawyer in a movie and he's got that same kind of character study. Right? I think it worked well in Top Gun better than it did in some of the others. Film, mm, yeah, well, and you would talk about this a little bit earlier too, George. That even though Val Kilmer was not the star of this show, he, he was a scene stealer in many yeah. cases for us, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. Val Kilmer, even though this was only his third film, as I talked about earlier, so the very first film that he ever had, John, do you remember? Before Real Genius? I don't know. What was it? Top Secret. Oh, was he in that? The, he's really? the main character in Top Secret.
2: Okay. It's been too long.
1: I didn't recognize <laughs> right. that was him. It's like when you go back
2: and watch a, a Twilight Zone and go, Oh crap, that's William Shatner. Yeah. I didn't know who <laughs> William Shatner used to be. Now yeah. if I go back really huh, For anybody who
1: doesn't know, Top Secret is the one where it had the VHS cover with a cow in boots on the in cover boots. and that's him right. in the bathrobe. That's right. Yep. <laughs> uh so yeah it was his third film he had top secret then he had real genius then he had yep. top gun yep. and for such a short career now he had done some stage stuff with some very accomplished actors before the films but films are different than stage acting i'm sure as most would agree uh, mm-hmm. i think he uh, i hate to say it but i kind of think he acted circles around tom cruise in this film even though this was the best of the tom cruise type of character that he had i think val kilmer's character and his acting ability was still hmm. far above tom cruise hmm.
2: not sure about that he didn't do a whole lot of acting. He was a presence, I felt. I'm not sure he was a great actor in this, but his presence was felt probably more for me than Tom Cruise.
1: Well, the reason why I say acting is compare real genius to Top Gun to The Doors.
2: Mm, That's range. Yeah, that's range.
1: Right? Tom Cruise, what are you going to (laughs) compare? Right? I mean, (laughs) he... Tom Cruise to Tom Cruise to Tom Cruise. Cruise to Tom Cruise, the same guy, right? Tom Cruise, yeah. Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise jumping on Oprah's couch. That's the whole breadth of his ability. <laughs> yeah, but like I said I, I think Tom
3: Cruise did a, you know, I think even though it was his comfort role.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, not a bad job. He pulls no. it off. No, he did a great job. I don't know. I just, for some reason, Val Kilmer just leapt off the screen bigger to me. He hmm. is taller. <laughs> <laughs> because he's taller. <laughs> John, you talked about Meg Ryan earlier and mm-hmm. how much yeah. that character impacted the emotion of the story for you there's one line that she has that i think i always wanted a girlfriend to say to me (laughs) at some point in my (laughs) life and it gotcha. never happened yep. number one because my nickname wasn't goose but still uh, she says hey goose you big stud what's that honey take me to bed or lose me forever <laughs> like, god damn i love that line she had such heart and such spirit in I that know. character.
2: yep it's it's wonderful it, it again meg ryan put that heart in there and yeah. i remember this is one of the first films that i remember specifically seeing in the theater more than twice mm. i oh, went yeah. back and saw it again well it was the first run going out to see it again. Because back when you see everything, right? You're like, I've seen everything. You're like, I want to see that one again, though, not see something new. And watching it though, this time around, as I knew what was coming, I knew that we were going to lose Goose in that eject accident, right? Yeah, I knew it was coming, and it hurt. And now I can see the, the the movie leading me along, making me love the character to make the impact heavier. Like he's so close to Maverick, he's so close with his wife and family. He's super loyal, you know. Right? He doesn't fool around. Like you know, Maverick's always out with the women, and you're always coming home. You know, yeah. He, he's there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's sweet. He's honest. He's helpful. He's generous. He has a great family. And when, um, that eject scene when they're in the water and Maverick is hugging him, mm, that yep. is rough. I mean, it, more so with the buildup now that I knew what was coming, powerful loss in a film. I remember the impact back then. It was like, oh shit, not him, not Goose, not
1: that guy. <laughs> well, oh. he was the brother, the father, the husband. I mean, he's all of those great character traits. He's all the best male role models. Yeah. Everything that we would want to live up to, right? As mm-hmm. we were, especially younger people at that point, at least I was 86, I'm 15 years old at that point. Mm-hmm. It, it, you're right. It was tough. I think... The part that really sealed it for me in that same sequence, John, is when they punch the canopy the first time and his seat shoots up and you see his head hit the Mm, canopy mm -hmm, and you know, his neck is snapped right away. And then they have the two of them going down to the water on the parachutes and his head is sagging and he's limp. He's a ragdoll. Oh, I know.
2: Oh, and the lifting in the helicopter, same thing. He's just a ragdoll. He's got, you got to let him go, sir. You got to let him
3: go, sir. Mm. Like, no, I don't want to let him go. Powerful stuff. Oh man. I thought it was more like, for me, after watching it the second time, Tom Cruise's character, it almost seemed like he didn't, it wasn't sadness, it was almost like he lost a part of himself. Oh yeah, I agree. Oh yeah, he went off the rails as opposed to being like, I'm sad that he's gone. It's more like like he lost an arm or, he, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. he didn't know how to adjust and how to deal with it.
1: Well, and especially because we know after that, he leaves Top Gun Academy. He just quits, right? Yeah. He's done. And I didn't think about this as much then, but I do now in the stage of life that I'm in. You have to realize he was doing all of that piloting stuff and going to Top Gun and being all crazy because of the legacy of his father and how important that mm-hmm. was to right. him. And for him to let go of that legacy and that drive because Goose died, that just shows even more how impactful that character was for
3: yeah. him. Yeah. Although, there's one part, maybe you guys who explain to me that after watching the second time, I still didn't quite get it. But they said that, like, oh, is it because of your father that you're always second best? Yeah. And I was trying to get my head around that one and I still don't quite get it. Well, I, I always read that
2: as you're always chasing the legacy of your father. Even if you are first in your mind, you're not as good as him. That's how I always read mm, that. Did you? Okay. How did you pick? read that, George?
1: There's two takes on it. First of okay. all, from exterior, everybody sees him as second best because his father was a fuck up. The last thing his father was known for was dying in a way that was not it's
3: questionable. I guess right? heroic
1: to yeah. the mm-hmm. naval service. As far as everybody knows, except for Tom Skerritt. Tom, right. Tom right. Skerritt, Skerritt knew what yeah. really happened. But it's right?
3: classified. He can't say.
1: So his family name mm-hmm. already had a black mark. So everybody sees him as second best from the beginning. He never has a chance to be better than that. Number two, I think what John was alluding to a little bit, he was second best not just because he didn't see it in his own mind but because he was pursuing it in a certain way to prove his father was the best mm-hmm. yeah he was never living up to his own potential which we hope as parents that our children do better than we do he would never have had a chance to do better than his father did because he was pursuing to push his father first. Okay, mm. that, That's my yeah. interpretation. I, I
3: get that. Because the one thing I yeah. noticed is that he was the second best on the carrier mm-hmm. because Cougar and died. he was he
1: always second best in the points.
3: And he was also second best at Top Gun, right? Yep. He, was he, second he, he, best he lost there to too. ice. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, oh, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah.
2: One more little Meg Ryan nugget that I loved is after we lost Goose, when she could have been angry at Maverick, when mm-hmm. she could have walked in and pounded on his chest and said, I hate you. What did she say? Goose loved flying with you. Mm -hmm. He would have done it without you, but he would have hated it. She did what she could to make him feel better when she's the one who lost a husband. And it just that she was such a core to that. It's just one more nugget that I it bore mentioning. Such a touching scene.
1: It's tough for that character in that short amount of time to make that statement believable. Yeah, I know. And I think Meg, Meg Ryan, Ryan may be the only actress of the time. As who close as died. you could get. <laughs> <Yeah>. As close <laughs> as you could get to make
2: it <laughs> believable. Yeah, because I would have expected her to walk in and be furious. Right. Yeah. But
1: right. She, she
2: was trying to comfort him.
1: And that would have felt Natural.
2: Natural. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: I, I think for me, all those scenes are super important and very touching, but for some reason, I don't know why, even still rewatching this film today, my favorite scenes are the dogfight scenes against the Russians at the end of the film. Because oh, the, the, the climax, that last, the climax, the last big scene, the, last when they come Not back the, the flipping yep. the bird part, those are fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but at the end, when it's Val Kilmer and maverick you know and they're the only mm-hmm. two in there because the thing gets jammed and they can't get the other right. planes yeah. out yeah. And, well, stuff. and there's a
2: third one in the air but he
1: gets he has yeah. to bail so i think those scenes are my favorite because that's the time when tom cruise gets to turn his corner that's the time when he gets to apply everything he learned at the academy mm-hmm. i'm not leaving my wingman you know right. i i think that those scenes were so beautifully shot I don't care about the close ups on the guys with the masks where you can't see their face being emotive or anything like that mm-hmm. and the voiceovers that they likely did during those right. scenes. I don't sure. give a shit about any of that part. The aerial photography of those combat scenes, when especially there's this one scene that they repeat twice where the planes do this little flip over semicircle, like three of them in a row chasing each other. Oh my God, that stuff is gorgeous. Holy (laughs) hell, how beautiful was those scenes in 1986.
2: And I can't imagine you would have gotten near the impact if you simulated that with a model or with a... You watch those flights and you can feel the weight. You can Mm -hmm. see the weight of these... First of all, planes flying is batshit crazy. It shouldn't work. You know, the (laughs) physics behind it is amazing. And then you see them and you're like, these things weigh tons. And, you know, the flat spin that caused the problem early on, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That kind of thing. Like, that's just a rock dropping from the sky. The fact that you can then do the acrobatics in the air it's damn impressive you can see where that money went that they paid to the navy to do this stuff because wow did it all end up on the screen
1: well and not just the acrobatics but i want to give a big shout out to the chase plane the plane that was doing the filming oh yeah (laughs) having to be (laughs) in the perfect spot right to get (laughs) those shots fucking beautiful flying precision to a point like wasn't a drone we didn't have those it it was another guy in (laughs) another plane (laughs) i mean just gorgeous stuff It, it it's what makes that movie the movie and why the only way you could do another aerial combat movie after that in that type of frame is to do a sequel 36 years later you need to do more of that yep
2: If you're a die-hard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com/patreon.
0: You are still dangerous. You can be my wingman anytime. bullshit You can be mine.
2: We've highlighted so many of the reasons that Top Gun is such a seminal Gen X era filming mean, from the the money spent to work with the Navy, to the casting, to the talent, you know, in front of the screen, behind the scene, the story, the plot points, the, <laughs> just, it was like lightning in a bottle, all these great elements together. And as we often do, we talk about films like this. It's fun to talk about the fallout, the impact, what has happened in the interim between when that film came out and how it's impacted pop culture and other cool stuff. And I've talked several times about the soundtrack. and It was on our, <laughs> our Top Soundtracks podcast. <laughs> yeah we did right yep. it's got it's got the Kenny Loggins in it. it's got two Kenny Loggins songs in it it's great and uh, it was one of the most popular soundtracks to date reaching a nine times platinum mm. and number one on the Billboard Hot 200 albums for five five non-consecutive but five weeks in the fall Dang. of 86 And wow. because as I told you it's a damn great soundtrack it deserves <laughs> to be there <laughs> George turned me on to this little nugget that I didn't realize the band Toto was originally going to record Danger Zone Oh, that would be horrible. That would be horrible. (laughs) I like Toto, but that's not Kenny Loggins. It was just so that good. That would have been
3: a disaster.
2: Yeah, there was some kind of dispute between Toto's lawyers and the film. Good. I hope the dispute was, you're not Kenny Loggins. And that was the problem. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ultimately, we did get the right talent. Uh, yeah, Brian Adams was rumored as a potential to worked, do it, That could have worked, possibly.
3: That might have worked. He,
1: again, it better, better than it Toto, might've. I'll give you that. Better than Toto, but it, absolutely. Everything he's still not Toto. Kenny Loggins, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> so. But think about why he didn't do it. He said, no, sorry, this film glorifies war. I'm not with that. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> was was that his thing? That was what Brian Adams. That's why he refused to sing that song uh, and be good. part of the movie. I'm glad he wasn't part of the
3: movie. <laughs> well, apparently Kenny Loggins doesn't have that moral issue. So he's no, not Brian
1: Adams, it. he's Canadian.
2: So you know. yeah. sorry. Uh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> well, and you alluded earlier in the show, George, that all of his success and working with the military, this actually turned out to be an amazing, serendipitous recruitment tool. Yeah. for the military, right? Yeah, so
1: John Davis, one of the producers, said that it was supposed to be the Navy wanted people to go see it and say, wow, I want to be a pilot. They put up recruitment booths in some of the theaters, wow. swear to God. <laughs> to me it's just smart. <laughs> to try and get enthusiastic people to join the Navy. Whatever works. Oddly enough, after the film's release, the U.S. Navy has said that the number of young men joining who wanted to be naval aviators went up by 500%.
3: I believe Damn. that. Damn.
1: I believe it. <laughs> Ooh. Well, shit, I just Watched
2: it. I'm 52 years old, and I kind of wanted to be a naval aviator after watching it. I'm like, yeah, maybe, yeah.
1: Maybe. I get I, it. It's <laughs> one of the films that made me want to be a, a pilot, and I still want to take pilot lessons.
3: Yeah, jeez, no kidding. <laughs> Here's a little interesting little nugget. Uh, remember that not so amazing movie Planes that Disney came out with?
1: Oh, the Cars thing. Right? Oh, based yeah. on the Cars, after right? Cars. Okay. They
3: did one called Planes. One thing they did with I thought was kind of cute is that they actually had Val Kilmer and Anthony Edwards as two voice actors on it. So Did they really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Good for them. Yeah. I mean, I'll get on them,
1: right? They should. Yeah, Why I mean, not? you want to go into the deep, dark crevices of internet factoids. Believe it or not, bomber jacket sales increased and Ray-Ban aviator sunglasses jumped 40% because of the characters <laughs> using them in the film. So Ray-Bans went ballistic. I mean, Tom Cruise oh. with his Shay I mean, risky business right? and Top Gun. Every mm-hmm. time he wears sunglasses, apparently they sell off the He's shelf. a
2: sunglass selling some of bitch. Isn't I, you? know. I guess yeah. so.
1: <laughs> Somebody at Ray-Ban is like, what do you mean you
3: gave him the sunglasses for free? Are you an idiot? And also, <laughs> <of a sudden, laughs> <laughs> Oh, and then Goose's
2: aviators that he's packing up in the box. Oh, mm. poor Goose. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know the Top Gun is kind of a target of parody in many cases. Remember, um, uh, was it called? Hot Shots in 91? Oh, this was with uh, yeah.
3: Tiger Blood, dude. Uh... Uh, Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Yeah. I was about to say Estevez, one of those guys. Estevez yeah. Sheen, one of those guys. Somebody but, yeah. in that
2: family of crazy people. It was kind of a Top Gunny spoof and a bunch of other things being spoofed in it, too. But the, the one that I love a lot is <laughs> because of my love for puppets, <laughs> the bravado in Top Gun was really targeted in many ways for Team America World Police the, uh, ah, the, oh, the, the South Park South guys Park, yeah. the, the, yeah. basically a marionette action film that was all about a, a squad now they weren't naval aviators they were secret organization but it's that same kind of top tier squad of guys and they used that Jerry Bruckheimer over the top lens flary kind of stuff that he would come to be known for <laughs> it's, it's another impact that it had long term
1: well you know John <laughs> you talked about wanting to be a pilot yourself after watching this film uh-huh. you could have kind Kind of simulated it. Had you grown oh. up around Ohio's Kings Island amusement park, they had a roller coaster Boy. modeled after the film. <laughs> and wow. Just for John, they piped Danger Zone in the wait line the whole Thank time. Thank you. I, I would have boycotted had <laughs> they not had Danger Zone. But I, I'm not sure I could tolerate it for an entire
2: two hours line, but maybe <laughs>
1: <laughs> they it might get old. you know later on it got changed as the movie became unpopular it, they changed it to flight deck, uh, uh then it went over and became a new roller coaster called the bat, I'm guessing because of some uh, Batman or film yeah. or something sure yeah uh, but oh. there was another ride called Top Gun at another park in California as well uh from like ninety three to two thousand seven oh, wow. and they changed that one to flight deck as well, so yeah. You know, as the film grows in popularity, you know, there's going to be another roller coaster called Top Gun or Maverick or they're probably going to reclaim flight deck
2: and retcon it to be Top Gun again. I hope Maverick comes out.
3: (laughs) I would say before we get out of this, there is a website out there because we talked about how like realistic everything looks and how awesome, you know, Mm -hmm. it really felt like it was real. Apparently, there's a military website that listed 79 cringeworthy technical errors in Top Gun. And I'm like, who cares? <laughs> I mean, who cares? I mean, I don't need reality. I need to believe it's reality. So, right. and I believed and I did, it watching right. this movie. Yeah. Now those could be entertaining
2: to read about and go, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. But it didn't damage the film in any way. It wasn't no, like right. it was replete with things you
3: can't believe. It seems right real to it's me. Like, oh, right? they weren't make 28s. They were painted F5s. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> I, it, uh, okay. <laughs> Like yeah, I wouldn't okay. recognize one from the other anyway. That
2: is that's a website run by a bunch of, um, actually guys. Right? Well, <laughs> it's, like,
1: <laughs> it's a military website. So I'm guessing they actually know what the fuck they're talking about. It's probably other pilots. Oh, I'm sure sure they, well, do. They're, um, actually correct.
2: Sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, the impetus for
2: us doing this backtrack was around the release of top gun Maverick, which I mentioned the day after this podcast releases, will be out in theaters. Uh, when we do something like this, we did this for ghostbusters. I just real quickly want to know for you, what will it need to do to be a success? Successful sequel. What do you want to see? What are you hoping huh. to find in Top Gun Maverick? Because I just sprung this on you guys. So I'll start for me. I just, it's the characters, like so many things. I don't need to see the great dog fights. I'm sure there will be great dog fights. I don't need to see the military bravado, testosterone laden stuff. I'm sure there'll be plenty of that too. I'm more interested in seeing what happens with the characters. I know there is at least a photo of Iceman because he mm-hmm. did something to help you know Maverick get involved in it again. But seeing these characters, this, you know, some 40 years on, if I just see what they've become and how they've grown, that's what I'm most looking forward to. The other stuff I'm sure will be
3: there. What about you, Mo? What is it? What do you need to see in Mary? I I, see. I kind of need to. Cool jet fighting sequences. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just because this is really cool. Um, that's fine. But um, also, I heard that I think Goose's son is supposed to be in it as a character. If I'm not mistaken I think that's
2: a major plot point. I think Maverick is training him.
3: I'm not yeah. trying to spoil anything. I, I've I've not read
2: this. I just like Osbosis picked this that's up. Right. Yeah.
3: That's right. I, I think that's what I heard. But to me, I mean that'd be cool, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. And I think like you said, this comes down to just cool characters and seeing where they kind of developed over the years. That's going to carry on that powerful loss we just talked about yeah. of Goose, right? The, the impact of that, George. What about you? What
2: are you hoping to see? What do you need out of a Maverick?
1: Uh, well, I'm like Mo. I do need the dogfighting sequences, but I need specifically for them to not be CGI, computer generated. I oh, need them to be real, God. filmed mm-hmm. sequences oh like God, they were in the I original got. movie. I don't know if they got that. I there was a trailer shot of Tom Cruise pulling back on a stick and the plane going supersonic up through the atmosphere. That looked real. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that the rest of the film has that same kind of thing. I kind of need that because if you modernize it too much and you... You do the CGI stuff. I think that takes a little bit of the weight and the heart away from the film that I got I from feel the original. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And of course, you know, you need at least some character stress point. You need something for Maverick to have a problem with mm-hmm. and you need it to have real emotional impact and uh, devastation to his character in order to progress the story through to its end. Well, George don't need much. He just needs all those awesome things.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I hope it's all that and more. I'm excited to see it. I'm probably going to see it when you listen to this podcast. I probably have a ticket. I'm ready to go see it. (laughs) Before we wrap up this awesome backtrack that I've super enjoyed, real quick, what if we all got to be Top Gun, Naval Aviators? (laughs) You got to
3: pick a call sign. So real quick, Mo, what's your call sign? at Top Gun School. So, okay, so you did give me some notice on this, so I put a lot of thought into this, and so... I actually came up with Halcyon. Halcyon. Because this means mellow. Oh, mellow.
1: All right. there we go. Okay, George, what about you? What's your call sign? Lieutenant George Flabby Tabby Sumter, at your service, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Flabby (laughs) Tabby? Will that fit on the helmet? That's a lot of stickers. (laughs) It just has one sticker. Everybody on our Discord channel knows exactly what Flabby Tabby would be. Oh, yeah. Oh, we know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have one that I've already
2: used because every time I play Wing Commander, you have to put in your call sign. I've used the same one for... For every military call sign video game I've ever played, my call sign is always, appropriately enough, joystick. Jesus (laughs) Oh, Jesus <laughs> it has rude implications it has video game implications it's great for a pilot that's what I, I love it so that's <laughs> alright so those are our call signs hey guys thank you so much for going through Top Gun with me George you did tons of research on this I appreciate your help yes sir fourth listeners we hope you enjoyed this we'll be back in two weeks with another backtrack of course but next week is a standard edition of our show until then I am John George thank you so much again for being here yes sir Mo you know I appreciate you buddy always fun man and fourth listener it's you we all appreciate most of all, though, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life,
0: no fun. fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up?
2: Grown is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.
0: No more shows till sunrise. Unacceptable for grown-ups. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically.
2: Welcome back, Gen X. God, smack my camera. And that doesn't matter because nobody can hear that. Fuck. One more time. <laughs>
1: Five. You know, but oddly enough so... I didn't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: I was gonna say she was don't say I was gonna say, John. Okay. I'm 52 years old and I kind of wanted to be a naval lady, a naval lady, aviator.
3: But, You're shit, you gotta say go it talk. first, John.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If you can't say it, you can't, you can't, be, can't it. be it.
3: Fuck. <laughs> okay.
2: Try that again. <laughs> Three, two.